Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This call is being recorded. This call is your SteelerFury.com podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw to Ben. Ah, what a mess. It's your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, although last week was, you know, would have been encouraging if it weren't uh, the end of a long losing streak at this point. Uh, it's still a losing streak. And uh, here to talk about it, as always, is my cohort and, and good buddy. His name is FC. How are you, sir? I've been better. I've been worse. <laughs> well, that's just because your your family's about to come into town, sit around the Thanksgiving dinner and talk politics and sports. And <laughs> it's good right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> that will not be happening. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, at least you get two games this week. It's going to be... a it's going to be a, a a big Thanksgiving week here for your Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Um, by the way, shout out while he's on the line, Silverback ninety two, a name you haven't probably thought about in a while. Uh, he's I know he's listening to the show, he's chatting with me on the on the side here. Um, what what advice do you have uh, for Silverback ninety two about your about last week's game against Dallas? Are you are you a glass half empty or half full? as far as the Dallas game is concerned? Um, wow. Half full in a way. I'm, I'm in between the two. Um, you know, there, there was good things that came out of the game, but uh, there also were some, some bad things. Um, I supported, I mean, since it was the first question I seen posted in and the thing, I, I'm the Mike Tomlin and me. I think it's time to clean up the organization. I believe there's a 10-year rule. Bill Cowher actually overcame that 10-year rule, where after 10 years, things become stagnant, and it's time to change things up. And uh, I, 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 I don't know what to feel about the Dallas game. The offense scored. It was prolific. They showed life. But we still only have one legitimate NFL receiver. And uh, I think the play calling is bad, and I think that they overpaid for players. So I guess I'm more of a half-empty guy. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's um, you know like the the thing about the defense is not just our defense, but any defense is you can if you have you face 80 plays in the game, and you have 77 great ones, and you have three horrendous mistakes. Uh, that's often the difference between winning or losing a game, right? I mean, that Absolutely. that'll get you, uh, you know, that'll get the other team 24 points or something, and that can be awfully difficult to overcome. And I sort of felt it was a little like that. I thought that most of the time, most of the game, they played extremely well against a Dallas offense that's no joke. Their their offense, if it isn't the best in the league, it, it's pretty close. Uh, and particularly, uh, you know, they will really challenge you in terms of balance uh, and stopping the run, Ezekiel Elliott's the real deal. Kid um, can really, really play football. In addition to being, you know, a great athlete and a good running back, he's just seems like a really good football player for such a, you know, for a young guy just coming into the league. Really impressed by him. So, I, you know, I can't, 
I don't feel too bad about the effort that the defense gave, but those those two run fits at the end of the game just killed them, didn't it? Um, Sean Davis with a face mask right after the is actually probably what killed him. And Willie Gay should have been called two plays beforehand. Um, yeah. Sewers are poorly coached. Uh, it's not an effort thing. I mean, you know, it's just it's 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 unacceptable. I think the the Sewers are a combination of defensively is what I see is there's high effort, but it's they're poorly coached and uh, I don't want to use necessarily use the word young problem, but they're dumb. <laughs> you know, like uh, Artie Burns is dumb. You know, um, there's no way does Bryant can run by him, but he's still going to give him the cushion. He's still going to give him credit for being a 4-5 guy, probably when he's a 4-8 guy. You know, those types of things. Sean Davis, I mean, how horrible and stupid was that? You know, I can accept, you know, he drove the quarterback into the ground. It's, I can't accept when when you got five guys that run a ball carrier in the six-guy face mask. It's just it's beyond me. I can't accept that Des Bryant can barely walk, but yet Artie Burns has given him respect like he's Ted Jinn Jr., you know, or Bob Hayes out there, you know, a guy that's going to immediately run past them. Yeah. Those are the types of things. It's, I don't question the Steelers' effort. I believe that they played hard. I also don't believe that a pro football coach can have a talk with young players and get them inspired and ready to play rah, rah, rah. This is your fucking job. If you don't get it done, you should be cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the it's thing. Not college, like, it's not high school. I feel like they're – you're right, exactly. Like, and even, even that uh... – I mean, I understand that New England, you know, just got rid of Jamie Collins and, and it can be done, but I'm not sure that that didn't have a, a, a an immediate negative impact on New England. Their their defense looks terrible without him. So, I mean, I, I guess you can do it. You know, you could you could demote, you could you could sit Antonio Brown for a couple of series at the beginning of a game to punish him or something, you know, I mean, for, for these kinds of mistakes. But right. A, there's so many guys making mistakes and B, there isn't. It isn't exactly like the next guy up isn't already up. You know, sure. I feel like we're playing with a half a team of next guy up. I believe in the Jimmy Johnson principle, where you have a bum falls asleep, you cut him. If you have Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith fall asleep, come on, Troy, come on, Emmett, wake up. There, I mean, you're not going to cut Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, for the last month, if people want to admit it or not, James Harrison's not been only our best defender. He's probably been a top ten outside linebacker in the NFL. You know, and people are saying, oh, he doesn't have the sacks. He doesn't have the production. Well, he does more than, you know, he plays the run better for 10 plays a game than, you know, uh, Shane Ray or Miller, you know, or, or Beasley from Atlanta played for an entire season. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not – what I'm saying to uh, – Sean Davis would never face mask someone – with seven people around the pile again after I was in this week. Because you really can't run a pro athlete. But I'll put it this way. He'd be getting Twitter messages from his mother, his father, aunties, uncles, and cousins. Because I would embarrass him so much in the media. If I lose him mentally, they say, well, if you wreck the kid's confidence, then I shouldn't have drafted him in the first place because he's mentally weak. Right. I I mean, okay. Him. I buy that, except here's, here's my issue knew immediately that he'd, he that he'd made a crushing mistake and had offered no excuses didn't say you know that he um 
he didn't claim ignorance or whatever. He, he just literally said, you know, I was, I was trying to make a play and I, I made a horrible mistake that cost us the game. So if the guy, if a young guy knows immediately that he made the mistake, he understands how big a mistake it is and how stupid it is. Do you then pile on him for a week? I mean, that some I, probably not. You do make a fair point about that. I just want to make sure it doesn't happen again. My problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers is I believe they're an undisciplined team, which I believe starts at the very top with Mr. Colbert and Mr. Rooney. And I'm saying the owner because it's a reflection of his team. And I don't – there seems to be a lot of the same mistakes that I repeated time and time again. Now, the Sean Davis mistake stands out because, you know, hey, that force is third and ten from the 50, you know, and things are a lot different. Um, but Antonio Brown, I, I mean, I, I would, I, if I'm Tomlin, I basically tell him, we're not going to have another uniform infraction. We're not going to have another dancing penalty on the, on the field. Whatever you want to come and do, you celebrate with your brothers. You come celebrate with them on the sidelines, outside the white lines. I want touchdown scores and ball given to the referee, and I want it running off the field. I don't want to fist up in the air on fourth down because the referees are looking for the Steelers to do stupid shit because they've done it for the last 12 weeks of this season. No matter, it's it's just a fact. If you continuously do stupid shit, the referees are going to look for you to do that stupid shit so they can throw the flag because they've been warned. They've been Dean Blandino. Let them know. Hey, look for this. You know, look at Antonio Brown's spikes. You know, look for them to have the celebration. You look for Willie Gay to throw up the fist and talk shit. The same thing with Mike Mitchell. I wouldn't have a problem if they both haven't received two penalties apiece that continue drives. And those are guys that are 30 years old. Those are guys that know the Steelers way. Right. No, that that that's for sure. I mean, you know, I I think it's possible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to completely go against what you're saying. I buy, I I buy some of it. I think it's possible that this sort of, you know, some of the things that are attitudes are a influenced by coaching and be bad. Some of them, I think are culture things that are about the team. You know, I do, I do think that the defense uh, celebrating when, when they, when they make a fourth down, not celebrating like it's the end of the world, but you know, I, I think that's a kind of a, a thing about our whole defense. Not like I made a play and we stopped them, but every, somebody made a play like that. I don't, I guess I don't mind that particular aspect of it so much. I have more of a problem with discipline problems that are, that are on the football field, you know, like in sure. other words that, you know, Jar, uh, Jarvis Jones, not, uh, taking the right run fit and leaving a wide open lane for a running back at the end of the game uh, to, to score a dagger touchdown um, for your both safeties, both Mitchell and golden to take horrible angles on a simple little dump off pass and turn it into, you know, an 80 or 90 yard touchdown pass simply because they didn't take the responsibility seriously of being the last defender on the field, which, you know, the difference between giving up an 83-yard touchdown and giving up a 60-yard play that puts them in field goal range is huge. It's huge. Even if if they end up scoring a touchdown later, you know, you still they still had to use up some of their 
chits to get in the end zone in a way that they didn't the other way. And it's just, a, it's a crusher. And to you know continually have big plays, I think you have to look at the safety population, don't you? I mean, this, the safety right. situation for the Steelers is not good. The, the interior of the Steelers defense is not good. I mean, people still want to run around. And how about this? I decided after I'm going to grade the Steelers game. And I went plus minus every play. What would you do if I told you Ryan Shazier finished in double-digit negatives? How about that? Well, I mean, that's, that's every – hey, that's, he's going to be a future defensive MVP. Let me tell you, he is one of the worst, softest players I've ever seen against the run. He'll shoot a gap. He'll fucking hit it as hard as can be. he got to take on a blocker. He's like a little puppy. He wants to give his back. he lay on his back and, no. It, it's, he's a safety. He's got that mentality. It's horrible. You cannot play him in base downs. He, I mean, I watched him shoot the gap. I watched him make the big play. I watched him hit the guy hard. If he is has to engage a blocker, he's useless. He's the anti-Jack Lambert. He's the anti-Sam Mills. He's an individual that never learned to take on a block properly, so he can't do it. So now he has to not only take on a block, but he has to take on a block of one of the top one-tenth of percent of people who can do it in the world, you know? And I have much more of a problem with softness than I do with stupidness. The bad angles, Mike Mitchell, Robert Golden, I got a problem with it. But not as much of a problem as I do with someone that's fundamentally soft. Lawrence Simmons is every bit as bad. Lawrence Simmons at least will take on the block. He just doesn't know how to do it. He exposes his numbers, exposes his pads, stands straight up, gets put on his ass. The end. I don't think Dallas's offensive line is that great. I, I, I really don't. I, there was plays to be made. It was just the people that had to clean up the plays didn't have the intestinal fortitude or the knowledge or have played the position. or were coached, Joey Porter would have been fired weeks ago, by the way. I mean, but that's a different story. We are a fundamentally poor team. We tackle poorly. We take poor angles to the ball. We rush the passer poorly. We take on blocks poorly. I mean, I guess I'm the problem ask, with like, the defense is there's talent, but there's just not knowledge. There's not good coaching. Yeah, I the guess talent, I actually believe there's talent there. I believe that if you would have given those linebackers to Patricia and Bill Belichick, you would have three or four Pro Bowl players. I think Jarvis Jones would play at a Pro Bowl level for Bill Belichick. I think that Ryan Shazier would be a Pro Bowl player for Bill Belichick. You take our talent, you put a good quality coach. I don't mean pieces of shit like Sean Payton, but you, a Bill Belichick, even a Bruce fucking Arians. This is a playoff team year in, year out, and I guarantee you Bill Belichick would have won more, won, won more than one championship with Ben Roethlisberger like Mike Tomlin, or I guarantee you he would have won more than two with Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger than Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin did. Well, except that, except that he, he won only one with Tom Brady in the same period of time. I mean, you I know. Mean, but, but actually, Bill Belichick won four with Tom Brady. But I mean, he only, in the same, in the oh, period of oh, time. Over the same time period, we didn't have near the talent. I believe that the Steelers have been a more talented team. I believe that the Steelers have a more talented roster without Cam Hayward than New England's putting on the field this week. That is okay. That is that is possible and definitely debatable. But I also think right. I think we over I think we overvalue our talent, not just the organization. Not me. I, I, that this was, I believe that I thought this was a talent poor team, and I'm starting to come around to think. You know what? The talent's a little bit better than I was thinking. It's just holy hell, we are poorly coached. Holy hell, how does Joey Porter have a fucking job? Holy hell, how does Mike Munchak have a job? Yeah, I mean, I guess part of this is 
I mean, I'm not, I don't know what Keith Butler is trying to do the way that, you know, with the, with Dick LeBeau, at least you really understood his system well enough to understand what he was trying to do most of the time. So the thing is, I, I, I think, you know, they're trying to, to they're asking Mike uh, Ryan Shazier to, to crash these gaps in a way that, you know, whether or not it's effective, it's what he's being asked to do rather than just something that he's doing because he thinks that's how he's supposed to play. And, 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 and I mean, it might not even be a, just an issue or mostly an issue of fundamentals, but more an issue of, you know, what, what we're, what we're trying to do. And I mean, the thing is that kind of a, you know, one gap style approach to the run can work, but everybody has to do their job. As soon as, soon as you start, you know, failing on your assignment, and I mean, not physically failing, but mentally failing on your assignment, it's a, you know, it goes from being, you know, a one, two, three yard gain to being 15 in a hurry, you know? And then if you have on top of that safeties who take bad angles, it's a 70 yard play or whatever. So, I mean, I guess how, how, how do you break it down? If you're looking at film, how do you break it down? What's position coaches? What's coordinators? What's the head coach? What's the personnel? Like I, I've developed my own, you know, view on these things over a long time of looking at it. But I wonder from your standpoint, what, how how do you suggest that people evaluate this stuff? Well, for the current Steelers team, take both sides of the ball. And I want you to imagine three yards from the line of scrimmage forward and three, three yards back. This is basic, simple thing. Whoever's winning the line of scrimmage, whoever can dominate that area wins the game for the Steelers. 85% 85% of the time. Now, there will be times where Mike, where Ben will throw interceptions. There's even examples. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I believe the Steelers not only controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, but they should have went against Denver last year in the playoffs, in the AFC Divisional playoff game where we lost. That is one of the rare times where the trenches still make and break football. That, th- that, that three yards, that 12 feet, allows Ben to do what he wants to do in the pocket. It allows Le'Veon Bell to break the line of scrimmage so he can see creases and lanes. It also allows the Steelers to get some sort of play-action passing working. I'm amazed at how little play-action passing the Steelers do considering how loyal they attempt to stay to the run. Now I know in the Cowher years we bitched about all the play-action passing. We went to the complete total opposite of that. So whenever I look at film, I look at the trenches, line of scrimmage. Three, three yards forward, three yards back. If the Steelers are winning that area, keeping close in that area, controlling that area, and they're losing the game, I immediately go to turnovers. If we're not turning the ball over, I go to coaching. And then I'm going because that means the other team knows what plays are pretty much coming if they're having success stopping us because I'm controlling the line of scrimmage. Now I'll say this. I think Todd Haley has designed a pretty good offense. I wish we used the middle of the field more. He is probably the worst play caller this side of Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton that I've seen in the NFL. The funny thing is those two guys I just named have been play callers for 10 or 12 years. They get stale. It gets old. They lose a rhythm. They get stuck in a rut. Whatever way you want to put it, I feel you need to change things up. You need to turn things over. You need a fresh voice, a fresh view, a fresh look on things. And that's not something they're getting. If you remember, when Todd Haley first came in, this offense was just unbelievable. 
because it was different than Arians. Yeah. So whenever I look at film, I look at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, because you, I, I see your point. It's like if you're dominating the line of scrimmage and you're still getting your ass kicked, then something's wrong. Right. Um, you, have, the, you, you have guys have, sitting on 85% of Antonio Brown's routes. Antonio Brown's not going to beat a lot of coverages when, he, when people know what he can't out-jump you, he can't run by you. He has quickness to sell right. things. Well, I, I saw a very revealing quote from Todd Haley where he said, uh, in reference to Antonio Brown, that he thinks that you know the, the NFL has figured out how to defense him pretty well. I mean, to me, that's a damning indictment of yourself because if you have an Antonio Brown and you can't figure out a way to get him open, you are doing something wrong. You know, I think I like, you take Randy Moss's and Jerry Rice's four most successful four most successful seasons in a row. Antonio Brown lines up with them. Every, all, I mean, you can take their. I think they even did a point where they took Jerry Rice's four best seasons that weren't consecutive in a row, and Antonio Brown's last four seasons actually line up with them. That's ridiculous. So how can the NFL figure something out that they couldn't do for the last four years? And he's putting up historic-type numbers. 135, 138 catches is unbelievable. I don't care how many bubble screens we're running. Yeah, and it just I sort of feel like he, he's also not really benefiting from a scheme that gets him open. You know, he's basically often making plays out of – out of nothing, out of you know situations where he's actually covered, so on and so forth. So I don't know. Have you seen Have you seen the Buffalo Bills lately? Yes, watch them. Uh, watch them a lot. I actually respect the way that they're attempting to play football. Anthony Lynn that? is the best play caller in football right now. He's got you know nothing. what's hilarious? You know, this is his, this is his fifth game ever calling plays. He was a running backs coach, New York Jets, New York Giants, running backs coach. Never a play caller. Fresh, new ideas. You can yeah, tell you something else that I found amazing. It's because um, I actually had this discussion with a few people last night. I said he's the only person offensive mind from the Parcells tree that got anything going on in the NFL. It's funny that you mentioned Anthony Lynn because I think that Sean Payton has all of a sudden, be, I mean, a terrible play caller. Mike McCarthy in the same way. And it's not that they're terrible, terrible play callers. It's they got 10 years of film on tape. And there's, you know, every person, you got video right there on the sidelines right now. You it, you got you cannot get stuck in a rut. You cannot be repetitive. You can't go back to those tendencies, especially in the days NFL. It's funny as Belichick. You know, I want nothing to do with this tablet. Blah blah blah. I'll take a pencil and a piece of paper. The funny thing is, they show on the sidelines they have like eighteen guys with those you know Microsoft Surface books running video. The Steelers are just as bad. The Steelers got five or six guys. You know you know, running the video. And I, maybe that's every NFL team. But people are acting like, oh, Belichick just chucked it and he wants nothing to do with it. And he's, no, <laughs> no. no the technology, just... you know, you, you can see a mistake, you know, between a, a two-minute warning or between a timeout. You know, you can make that quick of an adjustment. And it's back in the day it was the pictures. I mean, when I say back in the day, I'm saying mid-'90s where they had the, the, the actual photographs. That, being able to watch a video, Immediately, you you gotta stay ahead of the curve, and you need smart minds. I'm not saying that you need fucking a physicist to be your offensive coordinator, but you need somebody that's gonna break tendencies and set things up, and that's not something that you're seeing. 
And that's not something that was productive of the 90s football, where we're going to run the ball, play good defense, and special teams. And no matter what, that's Todd Haley at his heart. He comes from the Bill Parcells tree. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's just, I mean, the thing that's different about watching Anthony Lynn, or I was going to, you know, even, even say uh, Philly this year, uh, you know, they they use misdirection. There's a there's a, a mixture of, of different not just different formations, but different things that you're doing with them. It's a it's a like a different kind of mentality entirely from where we're at. And I don't know if it's just that that Todd Haley is stale as a play caller, which is certainly, you know, at this point leading contender in my mind. But on, on top of that, it's just it just doesn't feel like there's any imagination involved in it. Um, and completely agree. When you, when you consider the talent that's available, that's why I keep harping on it. It's like the defense, like, okay, they're trying to figure out what their talent is. They, they have talent and they, they, the players can do certain things, but they haven't figured out a way yet to make it mesh into a really cohesive unit. That's a different kind of argument than the other side, which is you have great talent and you can't put them in position to, to do well. To me, that has to be coaching. Um, some of it players are inconsistent or whatever, but even if you have inconsistent players, you can still figure out a way to get their talents to shine. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to make a statement that I think that you're either going to absolutely love or you're going to absolutely hate. I think that the the way that you have to go in today's NFL, the run game doesn't really become a part of it until I'm up by three scores. When I say a run game is really a part of it, and I'm not talking Dallas. Dallas got something special going on because of you know Ezekiel Elliott because they have two tight ends that are just dominant run blockers. I don't like Jason Witten, but he got the job done, and uh, they have a very good offensive line. I if for the Steelers and for teams that are constructed that way, the the, the run game is a change up. It's it's a, to give you a different look until I get up by 17 points, and then I start trying to you know establish the run game, take care of the clock, stuff like that. You just see so many comebacks in today's NFL. You see so many teams come back from this being dead. If Sean Payton was semi-decent yesterday, um, I think that the New Orleans Saints could have beat Carolina. Talking about just creative play calling. Any person that's seen the Pitt-Clemson football game last Saturday, yeah, that's a perfect example. Clemson has way better talent than Pitt. That's not nothing against the University of Pittsburgh. Mackinada, Pitt's offensive coordinator, is so just out of his fucking mind at times with the stuff that he calls. I have watched football for 40 years. I can never remember an inside reverse to a fullback. (laughs) Nine times they've run it this year that I know of because nine times the little fire plug has scored touchdowns. That motion, everything that you can do in college football, you can do in the pros. And, I mean, to be able to do that, you've got to get out of the huddle quick. And the offensive coordinator has to, you know, give the keys a little bit to the quarterback. And yeah. if they're willing to do it at the college level, why can't our $100 million quarterback do it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, like, I, it, it, I feel like there isn't, you know, either, feel, either they feel like they have players that they can't give, put too much on their plate or they're not successful with it. Or it's just you know goes against the mindset about what the of what either the offensive coordinator or head coach or both want to try to accomplish. But I, I just can't believe. I mean, to me, it's a top level decision. You say, as a head coach, you say, you know, I I want to uh, get Antonio Brown 
better looks in this game. And particularly if we see this matchup against this guy or whatever, like I, I want that to be a focus of what we're doing. I also don't want to forget about Le'Veon Bell and let's get some other guys involved. That's what the head coach says, right? And then the, the offensive coordinator takes that information, takes that guy, you know, that uh, this is what we want to try to do. And he formulates a plan to do it. But it's like, ultimately, that guy has to come up with, there's no, you know, just because Mike, Mike Tomlin says he wants it to be a physical football game in, in Baltimore doesn't mean your offensive coordinator has to, you know, basically try play hide the pig for, for two hours. You know, right, try to run run the inside zone into fucking pump block for three quarters. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean, I, I'm saying you can you can blame the head coach for then not coming back and saying after a quarter of football, you know what what are we what, what are we doing? You know, like what is happening? This is not what this is not what I envisioned. What is you know what are we doing? But you can't necessarily blame him for it's not it's not the the plan was bad in terms of the top level plan. The the problem is that you know you're your field generals who are out there putting stuff together for you, your field marshals aren't putting the pieces on the board in, in, the, in such a way or asking them to do what you need them to do. Anyway, enough probably harping on that for a whole year, but uh, it's just, you know, I understand. I everyone's I'm going to ask you a question because then we can, we'll put this to bed. I want you to think in your mind who you think the best NFL team right now in the NFL is. If that's Seattle, if that's New England, whoever it is, the best, I want you to think next Sunday, before Cam Hayward was injured, but we'll get to that. But even this Sunday, neutral field, could the Pittsburgh Steelers beat that team? If your answer is yes, you've got to be 100% for firing Mike Tomlin and cleaning house. If your answer is no, then maybe you know you should reconsider Mike Tomlin being fired. My answer is yes. I Even without Cam Hayward, neutral field in a week. I think the Steelers could beat any team in the NFL. And that's why I think that Mike Tomlin and his entire coaching staff, the entire scouting staff, minus um, the guy that does our contracts, because I actually don't got much of a problem with him. He doesn't make the deals. He just makes the deals work. I think they all should be fired. And I feel like a hypocrite and a piece of shit because I was fuck cower where the FC comes from, and I wanted Cower fired, and I wanted Bruce Arians fired. And I might be just a fucking off-of-his-head, off-of-his-head person. I'm fine. I'm in acceptance with that. But I don't like the product that's being put on the field, and I feel the Steelers can beat any team in the NFL, and I know for a fact they have a losing record now. So that's direction. Okay, but, okay, but, let, me, but let me give you a couple of caveats to that. Like, first of all, sure. I, I think the, the reason the answer to the question is yes, that they could, not will or would, but could right. win is because they're in, they're maddeningly inconsistent when they're. I said this in the uh, the uh, post for the uh, the podcast last week that when the Steelers are good, they're really good, and when they're bad, they're really bad. You know, so like, okay, can you can you blame? Is it? I mean, is it strictly coaching when a team is that inconsistent? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hear your argument in that in that regard. But I, you know, I guess I would also say if they're capable of winning big games, sometimes it's just understanding, you know, it's the patience to put it all together and get it working in the right form. You know, to me, it's like sometimes you just have to be patient. And I'll, I'll use this as an argument last season. Uh, 
the, the Seattle game last year happened actually a little later than I thought it did. I, I thought that it happened same time as this, as this Dallas game. And I just feel like a similar example playing a really good team at that point, Seattle in Seattle, terrific team. You're playing Dallas anywhere right now. Very good team. Uh, and in both cases, you know, their defense lit up some big plays, especially at the end of the game. And even though the offense looked to come to life and to maybe even, even you know, score a, a game-winning uh, touchdown, it just didn't last in either case. Out of both games, I could see, I mean, you know, last year you can see that they actually managed to figure out a way to make their defensive parts work. I thought they played really good defense. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching a game from last year. I think this defense played better last year, and I think that the, the two main reasons the defense played better last year were a, we had a more aggressive plan on defense. We were not as passive. Uh, we we blitzed more. We mixed it up more. We were not as predictable. And secondly, I think we miss playmaking from the strong safety position. We had Will Allen who might have been on his last legs, but at least made plays uh, close to the line of scrimmage. When he was asked to do stuff in deep half, you know, he wasn't able to do it. But, you know, I, I sort of feel like this team has a really good possibility of turning it around, on defense at least. Um, I mean, do you see the same signs that I do, that there there is still the possibility that they could turn it around just like they did last year? Oh, I think they're going to win the AFC North. I never, I didn't say their season was over. <laughs> I think the Steelers are going to win the AFC North. I mean, I, that's not me being a homer. It's I've, I've watched Baltimore. I've watched Cincinnati. I've watched Cleveland. I won't be shocked if the Steelers win out. Will not be shocked at all. They will not win the Super Bowl. I don't think they'll win a playoff game. I won't be. I don't know. I mean, we're like the, not shocked the, at all. It's we're we're reacting to them. You know, they they played. You know, according to uh, the way everybody was playing this year, not the expectations coming into the season. Steelers would play the toughest schedule in the NFL to this point. And it's not to say I would feel a lot better about them if they were uh, two games over 500 playing the best, the toughest schedule in the NFL and you knew it was going to get sure. easier from here. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, you're, it's almost better to be challenged. Iron sharpens iron. You know, like if you're going to get better, you're going you're gonna to have to do it while you're going to have to learn and take some lumps while you play good teams. And I, I think even, even Baltimore is not a bad team. Uh, we spent um, the first half of this complaining about coaching, and uh, I, I think that we could easily spend the, the next half of it talking about <laughs> personnel. Yeah, and, and, and we that literally draft free agency. <laughs> it's 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 funny. Is I mean, I understand Mike Tomlin, Mike Munchak, Joey Porter didn't miss a block. They didn't take a penalty. You know, they weren't out of position. The the, the responsibility don't I'm, I'm is with the players. But the light for some of these players, it really, really needs to start. I like Anthony Chicklow. I really do. I'm a fan of his for 20 plays a game, 25 plays a game. I don't like Arthur Metz. Bud Dupree, if that light really doesn't go on, we got big problems at outside linebacker. We got big problems at inside. We have a problem. If you can draw a triangle, literally, flip it. We have problems with both of our safeties both of our inside linebackers, and our nose tackle. I know that that's not going to be a very popular view. Physical teams that play physical football are going to give us problems. Jason Witten, 
is a rarity. He's a 280-pound tight end. I know that uh, Martellius Bennett from uh, New England to now is a similar type guy. They're athletic enough and big enough to where they're not coverable, especially by what the Steelers you know, put out there. I'm a fan of C.J. Mosley. He couldn't handle Jesse James in space against when, whenever the Steelers played the Ravens. He couldn't. Um, Jesse James got to decide that, all right, I'm going to probably have Alzheimer's at 60 before it, instead of 75. But I might be able to make tens of millions of dollars before that because I know I'm, I see things from Jesse James that elite tight ends are able to do, and that's separate and get some space. Ben has to be able to throw him open. I'm just using this as an example. I, 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 people, there's a lot of, like, it's, it's, it's really fun to pound on Artie Burns at this point because he's given up big plays the last two weeks. And you can tell how raw he is, how little of football he has played. But there's a ton of hope there for me. Sean Davis, who I hammered in the beginning of this, has Darren Perry-type qualities to his game where he will recognize something faster than most players do. And he can get himself in position to make a play. But while making that play, a lot of times he'll do something stupid, (laughs) which I just, it blows my mind at times. You did everything hard. You read, you diagnosed, you fled, you beat the block. But now you're going to do something stupid, like miss the tackle, fail to grab on, grab the face mask, let the ball hit off your hands. You know, there's just certain guys that, it takes a while. And I think the Sewers have actually have some young guys. And I know with Jarvis Jones and with Bud Dupree and with everyone that we drafted early, we don't have the patience for that because of the failures that we've had in the past. But there is hope. You know, um, Anthony Ciccolo is being asked to do too much. Arthur Moat should be a core special teams guy. You know, we play yep. a 3-4. Those four linebackers are supposed to be the stars of this defense. It's not true. Yeah. Oh, okay, so first of all, uh, what's the word on Bud? Is he going to play this week or not? I think the Colts. I'm, I'm thinking Thanksgiving against the Colts. It's going to be all hands on deck. Yeah. You're going to have shitty weather, muscle injury. I don't think they're going to want to take the chance. I think it's going to be next week, which is I think we can get it done this week against Cleveland. But we're getting at the point where there, we better find somebody that wants to make plays on both sides of the ball because there's, I believe, roster spots to be had. I think I think Kobe Hamilton can absolutely find himself a fifth or sixth wide receiver spot on this roster next year with his play for the rest of this season. Sure, I mean, you know, everyone's like, yeah, every everyone is in play in that regard. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, my question is, what's going on with Marcus Wheaton? You know, injured. Ah, what shoulder? Yeah, is, I mean, how bad is it? Well, I said they re, he re-injured it in practice. Yeah, and basically, what I'm thinking is, is he might be on double secret probation. Because <laughs> I mean, it makes you think that because you know he was inactive when he was healthy, 
you know. If well, apparently he wasn't. I mean, if he wasn't healthy, what happened was it was a misunderstanding. He was going to be. He was practicing, and then didn't play. So people thought he was a he was a healthy scratch. But he got injured in that practice, the last practice that they had, which is why he wasn't on the injury report. But he was out of the game injured. That's what was reported later. Okay. So I mean. You know, like we're, we're all hands on deck at this point. I mean, it's it's desperation times, and I mean, there's certain players that I believe in. I believe in James Harrison from yeah. when we started in training camp. I said James Harrison's our best outside linebacker. He's oh, okay, 40, so I don't care. So let yeah. me so let me offer some. I mean, let me offer some optimism. I'm with you on 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 Burns and Davis. I actually think um, I don't think Davis. Is, I don't think Burns has played that poorly. I think you know he's he's learning some he's taking some lumps and he's learning some rookie lessons. And one is that, you know, they're going to let the stars, the star wide receivers get away with pushing off and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, until, until you become a superstar corner, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to get those calls. So that's, that's a, that's the first main lesson is learning, but I, I feel like he's still able to cover guys like, okay, you, you watched last night, I think a little bit, from the sounds of it, Keekley, they, they showed that isolation of Keekley covering uh, the tight end. And just Fleener, like that's, Fleener, Colby Fleener. Yeah, that, that's a cat, you know, as a linebacker who that's what coverage, that's what being able to cover and track a guy really looks like. You know, it's like we're so we're so used to seeing linebackers like be in the vicinity of a receiver, but they don't really cover anybody. And and you know, it's funny. Can we tell you who remind what what Pittsburgh Steelers reminds me the most of Luke Eakley? You're gonna laugh at this so hard. Ryan Shazier. Yeah, I I knew that's where you were going because that's what I was thinking when I watched it last night. Okay, so here's my point. What's Carolina versus Pittsburgh from two years ago? That's the only thing I I mean during the regular season. That's the only thing I ask people to do before they think I'm not. I think the Steelers put up right under 240 yards rushing on that Carolina team, where nobody ran on that Carolina team. Luke yeah. Keekley, NFL MVP. I mean, you got to. But Carolina does a fine job of protecting, protecting Keekley with you know, you know, Kaiwan Short, Starla Tua. Yeah, their defensive their defensive front is is unbelievable. Yeah, that's what what makes that magic happen. But uh, okay, so I I I offer some optimism because I I think they they kind of need to. Like you said, we're all hands on deck. They also have to go all in on defense. I just feel like they haven't been willing to take any chances defensively, and they're still getting burned for big plays. So it's like if you're going to play it safe and get burned, you might as well be aggressive and get burned. I would switch Uh, from the 3-4, and I would show basically 4-6 looks. I'd be straight bare defense. I'd fill every gap, and I'd say, if you're going to kick my ass, come and kick my ass and take my chances. I'm 100%. Could not agree with you more on that last comment. Before I sit back and get nitpicked to death, I'm going to get shot in the fucking face by a desert eagle. You're going to blow my head off, and that's going to be that. You're not going to nitpick me to death. Not going to happen. Yeah, and I feel like there's. I think the possibility exists that that's what they'll do. Like you know, it's sort of. It's like okay, you know, now to the rookies, it's like okay, guess what, guys, you had your chance to like you know, get your immersion uh, learning curve going. But but now, you know, now it's it's the stretch run. Like, we're going to have to do something different. Right. If it's a chance for us to be a good team, we have to do X, Y, and Z. Right. 
this is what's going to happen, though. And I, it's, it will infuriate me. We'll come out and we'll do something like that against Cleveland. We may even come out and do something like that against Indianapolis. But for some reason, that third or fourth game, we'll get scared out of it. And we'll go back to the same old, same old. And before anyone says I'm not, the Steelers, last year, since you went back, they went to the no huddle in the second half of the season a lot more. And they just decided, here we go. We're going to just start hanging points. Then we ran into injuries. You know, D'Angelo Williams went down after Le'Veon Bell went down. Yep. So the running backs are a very part, big part of our passing. Game. And Fitzgerald Toussaint. Don't understand why he's there. Jesse James would have caught that two-point conversion, and that game would have been a little bit different. Let me ask you this before we switch off this. Did you have a problem going for two all those times that we did starting off? Uh. The actually going, <coughs> excuse me, no. And I'll tell you my my reasoning is, uh, the first one you got a you got a freebie touchdown, and it's a, you know any extra point you any point you score there is a bonus, and I think they've been successful enough at it that they've earned the right to try that early in the game. Then number two, I bought you know I sort of fell into the argument of you know if you're going to try to make this work and play the odds, you have to keep playing and at least go fifty fifty on it. Number three, you're already in the fourth quarter and you're trying to make it a three-point game. Number four is a no-brainer. So I don't really have a fault. Now, none. I have not stopped with a single one of them. Yeah, I I don't have a – I didn't really love the play call uh, to, you know, to isolate and and, uh, and throw the jump ball just because it's sort of an all-or-nothing play. I I don't mind doing that on first or second down when you're in the red zone. I mean, when you're goal to go. First or second down, it's a great time to, to run that play, right? There's, there's there's very little risk involved in it. There's a good right. chance your guy makes a play. And if he doesn't make it, you live to fight another day on the next down. As an all-or-nothing play, I don't love it. And that's that sort of started the whole, you know, problem for me. Yeah, PAT number two, I also don't blame them because I think they had both Antonio uh, Brown and then Jesse James open, and both guys were knocked out uh, – they were they were knocked out of the play with illegal contact that wasn't called. Right, right. So, you know, I can't blame him for either of those. If the, the last quarterback is in the pocket, you're not allowed to contact the receiver and knock him out of bounds like that. If the quarterback is out of the pocket, technically you are. But Ben was inside the pocket both times. I Absolutely. went back and I looked at that pretty strong, strongly looking for to make sure that he was in the pocket while that occurred. Yeah, same same thing because we had we had sure. that earlier in the year where Ben was out of the pocket and. They hit Antonio Brown out of the end zone, but yeah, this Which is, is this is a situation where if you're not going to get a call for something that's a you know clear cut easy call to make, then it's it's hard to second guess your judgment about or the play call because at that point you're not even playing football anymore. You're just letting guys do whatever they want to do. Um, anyhow, we better get on to talking about uh, <laughs> talking a little bit about this week's game uh, and so on, or else we're going to run out of time. We, we, you're right, though. We could do this every day. <laughs> right. They could just next time we'll do we'll do personnel. Um, the Browns. I mean, okay, it's easy enough to say the Browns are the Browns. Um, you know what 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 kind of Browns team is this this year that makes them arguably worse in terms of results than they've been? Is it you know is it really not their year again, or is it just that they're uh, they don't have the right Talent, quarterback, what's going on? They're young, and they and they really are. And they've decided. Uh, I think Haslam basically uh, 
He told Hugh Jackson, blow it up. I understand this is going to take two or three years to get this maybe turned around to a point where we find it to be, you know, good enough to compete with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Um, they need a quarterback. and I, I Every poor team in the NFL does. Um, but the pieces that they're starting to put together are not horrible. I mean, Terrell Pryor from Jeanette has over time developed himself into being a pretty decent NFL wide receiver and actually a weapon type player where you can play him in the slot outside, inside, you know, you do crazy things with the Wildcat with him. What I'm kind of sort of impressed with is what Cleveland is starting to do with their defense. And, you know, Danny Sheldon is developed into a pretty decent nose tackle. Uh, their defensive ends, which are kind of surprisingly decent. Um, they got uh, Jamie Matter, who I was not familiar with a month ago, that I went and I looked up. And, you know, he, he he's not necessarily, you know, the most athletic guy out of Ashland. He's like a six foot two, 300-pound war daddy. But he does a pretty decent Michael Bennett impersonation at that power end where you're really going to, you know, have hell on wheels to block him up. Um, Emmanuel Ogaba, they drafted out of Oklahoma State. He, he's, he's an athletic player. He's learning. Carl Nassie behind him is athletic. They added Jamie Collins, who I'm a big fan of. As big of a fan of, of Jamie Collins as I am, I'm a bigger fan of the Mario Davis, who they added from the Bills slash yeah. Jets. Like him. Uh, Christian Kirksey from Iowa is another decent inside linebacker. I'm not a big fan of Cam Johnson, who starts at their other outside linebacker, but Joe Schubert from Wisconsin is a little bit like a like a Kevin Green type. Joe Hayne is about to get a tattoo of Antonio Brown put on his ass because Antonio Brown owns him for some reason. <laughs> um, but he, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to be gone. Jamar Taylor, their other cornerback, yeah. and um, their safeties will come up and hit you. Cleveland's young. I think that they that Hugh Jackson's a good coach. I think the Raiders screwed up whenever they fired him a couple years ago. I was impressed what he did in Cincinnati. The players seem to like him, and I think they're they they may actually finally get it right this time. But they're not close. They they have probably 28 NFL level quality players on their roster, where they're going to need a draft or two in free agency to really put together a quality NFL roster. So, you know, this the weather situation, I mean, I guess that's, to me, you know, I think you understand that the Steelers are going to have a talent advantage when they go up there. They're going to have a better quarterback. They're, they're probably, for all the problems that they've had on defense, they're probably going to have a better defense they put on the field. You know, so the, the weather being a great equalizer, this win, the win situation is not the greatest, right? I mean, it's it's what will that what you know what do you think the Steelers are going to come out and wing it around throwing the football in in the winning conditions because they've shown that they're willing to do that on occasion right um see the wind is my understanding is that it's supposed to snow early in the morning and then the snow is supposed to be pretty much cleared out by like 11 o'clock or noon it's supposed to be pretty shitty there uh like uh starting tomorrow because my understanding, it's supposed to be like 75 in Cleveland today. And then that cold front's supposed to move in where it's going to be, you know, windy and cold in upper 50 or mid-50s on Saturday. Then it's supposed to even get colder. 
a 31-mile-per-hour wind, 30, 35-mile-per-hour wind is what supposedly Ben's going to be looking at. And uh, we don't really throw the ball that much vertically. I know people are going to say, what are games are you watching? We take four or five shots a game. And pretty much other than that, we run a lot of ball control passing, you know, 17-yard fade stops, stuff like that. I don't think it's going to really affect our passing game a ton. What I expect from the Sears and what they should have been doing, I think, in the previous four or five weeks is I expect more of the bubble screens, which they came out and showed last week and gotten Ben in a little bit of a rhythm. You know, easy throws, easy completions. Get the ball in the receiver's hands. You know, let Ben build some confidence is kind of what I expect. So, I, you know, is Ben going to come out and throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns? I don't think so. Is Le'Veon Bell going to have 40 carries and rush for 240 yards? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a mixture of the two. Where you, the, I expect the Steelers probably will attempt 25 to 30 passes, attempt to run the ball 25 to 30 times, and get a win any way possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's a, it, it doesn't affect that short passing game quite as much as it does, uh, you know, maybe even the intermediate game. And I, and I, if anything, I feel like it affects a guy like Ben less. A guy who can really spin it like Ben, it affects him less than a guy with the, you know, who doesn't quite have the arm. Uh, I would be, right. I'd be more worried about this with, with the, you know, our backup quarterback. This would be a, you know, right. a twenty-three mile an hour wind, uh, you know, not not gust, but twenty-three mile an hour sustained winds would be nasty for a guy without a big arm. Sure, that would kill Drew Brees. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I like Drew Brees, but Drew Brees would be in big trouble with it. But even the twelve to fifteen yard balls will be affected by that wind. Like a guy like Tom Brady, actually probably wouldn't be as much because he has probably just as enough arm, just enough arm strength. But I think a lot of times, like take Terry Bradshaw, who I still say is probably the best bad weather quarterback that I've ever seen, and he had an absolute rifle. But the thing, John Elway had an absolute rifle too. But Terry Bradshaw had an absolute rifle where the ball was approximately ten feet off the ground. You know where I mean? Where he's throwing yeah. it basically like a baseball, and he also threw the beautiful deep balls. But if you look back to the AFC Championship games for the Steelers in the 70s, you know, uh, especially against the Raiders, whenever the games were in Pittsburgh, Ben or Terry Bradshaw made some throws that the ball literally probably traveled 55 to 60 yards where the ball didn't get more than 10 yards off the, off the ground. It was yeah. just literally, here comes a heat-seeking missile. Either you catch it or you're going to get two fingers broke. Like Sammy yeah. goes. The, wind, the wind doesn't have a chance to really affect that right. ball as much as it does when it's up there for a long time. Um, well. You know, I mean, in terms of running the football, uh, which team do you think is going to be able to run the ball more effectively in this game? And then we can get around to talking about Cam Hayward being gone because um, I think that the Steelers are not going to be able to run inside zones on on Cleveland because, well, uh, Danny Shelton is a man, and uh, they're actually. Um, Jamie Metter, the defensive end, the power end that I talked about, uh, he's actually also a man. Um, but I think the Sears can have success, you know, a, running the ball a little bit more off tackle. Um, I think that if they're able to block Danny Shelton up, I think that, you know, Le'Veon Bell could actually, you know, push 200 yards rushing in this game. And I think the Steelers actually need it. Um, I think a big rushing perf- I'll get on to it. No, I don't think that Cleveland should be able to run the ball at will. 
Why be surprised if Isaiah Corral busts a, a decent-sized run or two against the Steelers? No, I will not, because at the end of the day, you know, Spencer Drago is not a horrible left guard. Joe Thomas is still a very good left tackle. And, uh, you know, Isaiah Corral is a pretty good back. Right. <laughs> uh, they have a um, – Cleveland may have the most monstrous fullback in the NFL, too, and they have no problems lead blocking behind Danny Vitale. They went to Northwestern that was probably 240 pounds at Northwestern. He's got to be 270 pounds now. Anybody that wants to talk about James Harrison being on this shit, Danny Vitale, the fullback for Cleveland, if I had a bet of one player that's on the shit, would be him. Because generally guys don't put on 30 pounds and 30 good pounds in a year. No. Without better chemistry. No, most definitely not. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I never want to, I never want to talk down the opponent's chances to win a game because I think we've all seen over the course of the last sure. few years what teams can do that, you know, that can give the Steelers problems and, you know, it just feels like although Danny Shelton's an issue, the one thing that Cleveland doesn't have that a lot of these other teams that have they're you know inferior you want to call them maybe inferior teams or at least teams that we don't think have that much talent who have beaten the Steelers in recent years and with these road games, uh, it's it's they have this you know disruptive defensive line and it seems like there's one saving grace with Cleveland is that they don't have that right now. They do not, but they will play fast and hard. <laughs> which can also be a problem. You know, um, at the end of the day, um, the Steelers' offensive line's got to be better. You know, um, Ramon Foster probably has been our best offensive lineman. It pains me to say that. But when healthy, he's probably been our best. Uh, Marcus Gobert's regressed. Villanueva's regressed. Uh, David DeCastro is playing up to what he really is, which is a very average player. And Marquise Pounce, he's a 280-pound center. Yeah, the um, you know it's like when when you get Pouncey in a game where the defensive line is uh, a more mobile type of you know defense, Pouncey's pretty good in that environment. In, you know, in sort of a more power situation, not as much. But Foster, I gotta say, Foster is our best pass protector. It's crazy, but I guess he's you know just more of an immovable object, maybe you know right. in the Nate Newton tradition. Um, but anyway, interesting. Um, by the way, you think Nate gets in the Hall of Fame this year? I don't think Heinz Ward gets in either, but that's a different discussion for a different day. <laughs> Just curious, because I, I filled out my, uh, I was on NFL.com looking for a bit of news the other day, and I, I, I filled out my fan vote for the, uh, I guess they're considering the fan vote for narrowing down the finalists, or narrowing down right. to the finalists semifinals whatever so uh anyway i voted for old nate uh anyway um people forget how good the great wall of dallas was i'm sure i'm sure levon kirkland and chad brown and kevin green and greg lloyd and those 95 Steelers can probably remind people how good they were all right i got i got one more thing about the cleveland game and about the steelers defense uh before we move on uh you know my thought last week after the, you know, the, with the sort of tackling discipline issues, uh, and and by that I mean you know the safety, safeties not being able to stop some of these big plays when they were in position to do so, it, and the, you know I had this coincidental thought that we're missing the sort of playmaking that we have with Troy, that we had at times even with Will Allen, uh, from from that you know extra guy in the box 
player. I'm wondering if it doesn't make sense for this team to have Sean Davis play more of a free safety role and have Mike Mitchell come up and play more of a strong. Because I'm oh, I, that, I've been looking for it for weeks. Because it, it, it allows them both to do kind of what they're more comfortable doing. Um, it, it does. And at the end of the day, what position do you see Sean Davis moving forward in playing? You know, he, he you know, he, he's probably going to be a free safety now. So he's going to have to be, he's not, I mean, it's just his body build. And I think that's where you could put him to, you know, be in the best, you know, best position to maximize his talent. He's great facing the ball and he has good coverage skills. You know, but he's not a great tackler. I don't want Sean Davis to ever be the last line of defense. I think what they're fearful of is Mike Mitchell knocking himself out. Mike Mitchell messing up that shoulder. Mike Mitchell also isn't the same Mike Mitchell that came out of Oakland because he's gotten run away from a couple times pretty badly by players I wasn't sure they could run away from. So, yeah, I completely agree. I think that if Sean Davis is going to be a corner, move him the corner. Stop screwing around with him at safety. No, I, I, think he's, he's be- I think he's a safety, and I think he's probably a free safety. But I, I'll say this about his tackling. I think he's had most of his problems tackling, trying to be aggressive coming up, playing strong. So, you know, he's, he's playing strong, and he's taking this angle, you know, more of a diagonal to the sideline, trying to, trying to stop guys or, you know, stop them for a loss or stop a, you know, short, ca- a short catch from turning into a bigger play. And he may have to do some of that at free safety. But, it's you know, free safety is more about, you know, either having the angle or having the enough of the, you know, uh, smarts, football smarts to be able to overcome your poor angle and, and make a play on a guy. And I, I think in that situations, I don't think he's been bad. I think it's, it's the real problems you've had are, you know, trying to cover a guy on a short out and make a tackle, which is more of a something that in this system that the other safety would be asked to do. I agree. I mean, I, 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 I would really prefer to try to put, people in positions where they if where they can have success and i i completely agree with you on davis and ryan jazeer i think that ryan jazeer has the ability to go down as a top 10 in top 10 linebacker for the steelers period now if you think about that that's a big fucking thing to chew off and say sure. we're talking about an organization where you have phenomenal players that aren't even being considered for their greatness, Andy Russell. <laughs> you know? Um, sure. I think Ryan Jasir has the ability, even he has more ability, more ability than Jack Lambert. Whenever I say ability, I mean the, the ability to be able to run and to just run like a deer. But he needs a partner. He actually needs someone like Dante Hightower to play beside him. This uh, a Levon Kirkland. I understand those guys don't come around that often, but he needs a good complement to, to where he can handle this and Shazier can handle that. And if Ryan Shazier is going to be the finesse side of the linebacker tandem, he really needs to work on his film and his coverage ability and the nuances of that. And this is not me picking on Ryan Shazier. It's actually me complimenting Ryan Shazier. I, if if he can get to the point where he's as good of a as say a Thomas Davis who we watched from Carolina yesterday in coverage, he'll be an elite NFL linebacker with the correct partner in crime beside him. He's a Chad Brown type player. You need that LeVon Kirkland beside him. 
Yeah, I mean, I think like the, the situation with the inside linebackers and the safeties is similar. It's like those guys, there's some talent there, but they need they need to be able to play sort of fast and loose and know that the other guy has their back in a way that I'm not sure that they're either allowed to do in the system or that they're feeling yet able to do. Um, but I, I, I kind of feel like, like I said, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a misfit. And to me, that's, that is directly a coaching, you know, and, and more specifically coordinator issue is that you know, you've got these guys and they don't really fit what you're trying to do so far. So ask them to do something else. Uh, you know, maybe the, the fits are more of an issue anyway. Okay. So, um, you know, we have the, we have the formula in place. It could be, uh, you know, an exciting steamroller win for the Steelers. It could be a blowout win for the Steelers. If the weather cooperates, it could be a sloppy an game. The Browns are in. It could be any of those things, right? It could be 17-13. It could be 37-0. I, I expect the Steelers to win this game, but I don't know if it's going to be pretty. Um, I don't expect another Brady Quinn experience, if that's what a lot of people are thinking. And I won't be shocked <laughs> – Wait, that sounds like that sounds like a euphemism. The Brady Quinn experience sounds like it, it was meant to sound like a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly what. Not that there's anything wrong with the Brady Quinn experience, but okay. No, but there's nothing right with it either. Oh. <laughs> uh, where is the guy like high five when you need him? High five. Exactly. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Manos, Greek cause, buddy. <laughs> right, I think that he's probably right now, like, ready for his head to explode. I've seen him. I've seen him online. He's probably like, at least the Maple Leafs are a team on the come. <laughs> the, the Blue Jays and the Steelers are fucking killing me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the the the, the uh, Maple Leafs will kill him before the season's over. <laughs> They're just. I'm sure they will at some point too. Right. <laughs> they will all implode. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Do we do we, uh, we risk not having a, a around the league pick segment? I guess we could. Um, I do have one. I have one question sure. in our pick segment brought to us by Chico's Bill Bonds, Dean Blandino, Akib Talib's mom, and uh, Donald J. Trump, President Elect of the United States of America. Oh, and who, but whose girlfriend was it that threatened to? Oh, the kicker. Oh, that's right. Uh, oh, I love him. Dan Carpenter's wife. Yeah, his wife. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to cut off his fucking balls. I was like, wow. Um, uh, here's my question. Go ahead. Have you seen anything from Tom Brady that makes you think that he's anywhere close to being done? No. Yeah, I saw one, I, 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 one throw uh, this weekend where he stepped up in the pocket and, uh, and and stepped into a deep throw, and it just didn't go anywhere. It was kind of like, you know, he, he was looking at his arm like something happened. But I, you know. Right. From the game, a- game aspect of literally watching him play football, the, probably the only person, the, like the players that I've watched through the years that that they remind me of just for, is Brett Favre, just and Ben in a way. I think Ben's going to play a lot longer than people think. I like and. They really love the game, and they love the competition, and they'll be lost without it. And that's – I never gave shit to Brett Favre with all the coming back and stuff like that because what I think happened is Brett Favre was very close to retirement, and then June came rolling around, and he's like, you know what? My wife and my kids are driving me fucking nuts. I got to go. I got to be with my boys. And I think that Tom Brady 
I think that's the same thing. Drew Brees. I think it's I, Drew Brees is at the end. I think Tom Brady. If you told me Tom Brady played into 2021, I wouldn't be that shocked. If you told me Ben played to 2021, I wouldn't be that shocked. And the reason the I wouldn't with, be that shocked. Good. No, no, go. Your reason you wouldn't be that shocked is they love the game. They they yeah. really they love the game and they they'll be lost without it. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like. Uh, Brady is going to be one of, like much like Montana, where it's, at some point you felt like you could just play forever because it wasn't you know that dependent upon these physical you know sure. skills. Then Jim Burton could break him in half. Right. But <laughs> but the thing is for for you know for Montana and to a certain extent you know Peyton Manning, the end came very quickly. Like the difference between when he was tearing up the league, those two guys, and when they when it was the end, it, it was kind of like a switch went off. It wasn't like this gradual decline of their skills. <laughs> Day, they, one day they just couldn't play anymore. Right, uh, and back, back, back cervical type things. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, not even, yeah, not even just that. Although that's, I'm sure that was a contributing factor for someone like Peyton. But you know, I could see Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Brady looking, looking really great, really and then great. suddenly, and suddenly, like this two or three like weeks slide where he can play at the level he was accustomed to playing to anymore and being done. But I, there's no. I guess what the amazing thing to me was there's just no sign of it like I, I can't see his he doesn't even look like a 95 percent of tom brady he looks like the same guy that was playing 10 years ago which is amazing right and i i think the funny thing and i compared him to the the guys that we've I, we compared them to if you notice those aren't guys that wins in the media really you know i think that they're they're guys that are either all in or they're going to be completely done yeah no. The funny thing I've seen about Tom Brady is uh, we we don't talk about these types of things very often. He's a hundred to one to be uh, the Democratic candidate in twenty twenty for president. <laughs> 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 I was just like, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, beautiful. But yeah, no, Tom. I I've never I hate Tom Brady. And any player I hate, generally I hate them for one or two reasons. They're a fucking bomb. Or they're really, really good. And Tom Brady was really, really good for a really long time. You know, he's this generation's Joe Montana. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah. Well. It's greatness. And it was greatness that knocked us off. Now, I understand the Steelers fans are never going to get beyond the cheating, <laughs> the spy gate to the fake gate and all that. But if the Steelers cheat like that, I said this at the time, I'd be all right with it. I mean, it's not like like the experience gets taken away. It's not like Tom Brady lost one of them Super Bowl rings, you know. You, <laughs> I, I, I have. I'm a little bit of a character zero type of guy where sometimes the means justify. You know, I don't care how I got there. Just, you know, I got there. Yeah. Well, in that case, he's a Hall of Famer for you. <laughs> Oh, Tom Brady's easily a Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. Sprint it up. I think Brett Favre was the first ballot Hall of Famer for me, and Brett Favre had a little bit more character type of assassination going on. I mean, cheating or getting rid of a cell phone versus sending dick pics to a 21-year-old trainer. You know, that's sexy harassment. Favre was never really a a shining light of uh, ethics during his career. No. Uh, 
John Jerkovic agrees. <laughs> so does Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers bit? yeah, that was amazing. Um, he basically, you know, treated them as if he were like the towel boy. It's funny. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so much for our illustrious around the league pick segment. Uh, I guess it's time to actually pick the game. Um, you want to have a shot at this? 27-12 Steelers win. It's pretty – Steelers will probably – I think they're going to go to a nice little first-half lead and then basically try to deflate the football in the second half, take all the air out of it, run it, play safe. Cleveland might get some garbage time yards, but this is – if the Steelers lose this week, I'm definitely going to do the podcast. We'll be probably doing it on Wednesday because Thursday's Thanksgiving. Um, but I will let everybody know that I will be at that point cheering to lose out and to get a high draft pick and to fire everybody in this organization and you know we'll leave it at that uh-huh <laughs> we'll have a suicide we'll have a suicide, we'll a suicide watch. but we we had completely during these podcasts we've had fc basically saying it would be best for the steelers to lose out <laughs> and i've gotten motherfucked by a lot of people yeah and I don't question anyone's fandom. Please don't question mine. I just I, sometimes I see the light through the trees. Yeah, I just I mean I, I it's one thing if they lose this week to say that I just feel like right now it's way too early to judge this team. I think it you know it, a it's a week to week league. B the pieces are there and it could do it. So I think you know it's 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 really rough for for me as a fan to bail on them at this point. And I mean, not just the players, but the coaches, the whole team. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be uh, won over to believing that they're a quality team. Like I said, last year after the Seattle game, I don't think anybody thought this was a team that could do anything in the postseason. And right up until the point that Antonio Brown got injured, uh, you know, they, they started getting down to the fourth string running back and, and without Antonio Brown, that that team was, you know, going into week sixteen or seventeen of the season, looked like a real contender. When they beat Denver, I think, uh, you know, the, it's sort of like the light was on, and you you felt like this team could could beat anyone. And that's only that's not even a year ago that that all happened. So, you know, from my standpoint, I'd rather I'd rather give it a couple more weeks and see what we've got with this team and see if they can turn it around because, you know, in some in some ways they're not that far removed from from the doing the things that would make them a contender. So, uh, you know, obviously you miss certain players, Bryant, now Hayward, big, big parts of what they do. But, you know, this is this is what coaching is for. <laughs> this is what – and this is what superstar players are for, and this is what the time of year is for. So with all that said, um, I kind of think the – as you said, both the weather and the fact that, you know, the, the opponent is not going to uh, ring up any big comebacks on you late in the game is going to make this a game where the Steelers get a lead early and and not exactly play turtle ball but you know they're not they're not going to they're going to try to pound the Browns into submission in the second half. Um it worries me a little bit that Jamie Collins we get to see him again so soon and I'm sure he knows at this point all of the Steelers plays and formations uh and tips. <laughs> so that definitely doesn't help but I I'll, I'll make it You got video make, to prove it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll make it I very similar to you. I I'll make it twenty-seven to nine, Steelers. Uh, you know, and again, that won't necessarily feel very close. Uh, but you know, it kind of—it just seems like 
this is a game that they'll be in control of, and they'll try to get themselves right a little bit moving forward. And especially with the short week in Indianapolis, coming to Indianapolis, they won't do it, but in a way that they, they should, you know, try to get up into such a big lead that they can, that they can, uh, starters. yeah, that they don't right. have to pile Le'Veon Bell into the line 50 right. times late in the game and then bring him back on Thursday and ask him to do the same thing. Um, so let us, let us hope. Uh, final thought for UFC. If my mathematics is correct, um, this week we beat Cleveland. This week, Dallas beats Baltimore. We finish Sunday in first place. Tied for first place. Is that correct, B2B? Did I miss something? Yes, the Ravens would own the tiebreaker because they, they beat the Steelers. Head-to-head, but we still play their sorry asses again. And if we take care of business, and if we finish tied dead, if they win out, the Steelers win out, and Baltimore loses one more game, and that game's to Pittsburgh, I believe uh, the Steelers uh, versus AFC opponents uh, would have a better record, and uh, they would win the AFC North. So That's regardless, correct. They, as right. they famous say, famously say, we control our destiny right now. If the Steelers don't lose their games, they destiny. will be able to yeah. And um, <laughs> about eight years ago, there was a video with a fine young lad that basically went, I fucking hate you, Tom, and I fucking hate this team. Uh, it's bullshit. I fucking love you, Tom, and I love this team. Now, I don't love Tom. I'm not going to say it, but I don't hate him nearly as much as some people do. I think the young man, and when I say young man, I'm a little bit older than he is, <laughs> should be coaching for his uh, coaching for his life. Um, and I think that Mr. Rooney, I don't, I mean the old man, by the way, Ichabod Crane one, should call him all together and say, basically, I'm going <laughs> to die pretty fucking soon, and this isn't going to be how I go out. So Mr. Colbert, Mr. Tomlin, fucking kid, Start turning this shit around, or I'm going to fucking fire you all. That's what I'll close with. Ichabod Crane. I'm still trying to get past that one. Uh, my, my final word is just a little bit more practical this week. Uh, for all of you traveling for Thanksgiving, if you're, uh, if you're flying the airlines, uh, try to be nice to each other because uh, and the people that, that are working to try to help you get from point A to point B. Because it's going to suck. You know it's going to suck. That isn't a reason to be angry about it. <laughs> At this point, you know, bring some entertainment. Have a have a few laughs. Have a drink if you need to. Uh, it's it's worth paying the extra five bucks on the, in the airplane if it makes the, the travel go down smoother, more smoothly. And uh, in addition to that, if you're driving, um, be you know, be aware, be careful. There are people's lives at stake out there, and that's a one of those things that you think it's never going to happen to you, but you know, a lot of people not paying attention. Sometimes you have to pay attention for them and for yourself. Uh, that's my final thought, FC. Maybe uh, for a change, we can talk after uh, Steelers victory. I would like that. That would be nice. And if your Uber has bars inside of it, you drank too much. And ain't an Uber. You're going to jail. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, on behalf of FC and uh, also – uh silverback 92 i think we had a little while ago uh offered some questions and all the folks at steelerfury.com hey have have an enjoyable sunday uh fc i guess i'll talk to you on wednesday yes sir go stellers go stellers (laughs) with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 